The White House sees U.S. daily coronavirus deaths doubling by June. I heard you like Harry Potter, so we've got Harry Potter reading Harry Potter, so you can Harry Potter while you Harry Potter. And Josh Gondelman, stand-up comedian and fellow podcast host, is here to tell us how he stays so nice in the middle of a plague. To date, May 5th, 2020. The time, news o'clock. Hello, friends. I'm Hayes Brown. And I'm Casey Rackham. Welcome to News O'Clock. Casey, before we dive in, how are you and your roommates doing these days? Because we've been inside for a minute. Um. Okay, so last night, my roommates and I, we were watching a movie and we were like, we literally just stopped the movie in the middle because we were just so tired of watching movies. Uh, and we pulled out, we pulled out the game of life. <laughs> wait, wait, the actual board game, the game of life, with the, the little pegs. Yeah, the game of life. And I haven't played that game in like 15 years. My parents are cleaning out the garage right now. So I went over in a safe social distancing way and picked it up and it has no rules inside. And we couldn't find the exact rules <laughs> online because there's so many different versions of the game. So we just kind of like, like, you know, we figure it out dice, as we, as we live your life. Yeah. I mean, like highlights of it. I really didn't see any advantage to going to college instead of starting my career right away. So a. real world out there um, Two, I'm apparently extremely fertile. I had four children. <laughs> Congratulations to you and your brood. Oh, man. And, um, and oh, this is the best part at the end. So you do you remember those little life tiles? And at the end mm-hmm. of the game, you flip them over and it's worth money and it tells you why you got them. So yes. I just want to tell you like the span of things. It went from me winning a hundred thousand dollars for winning a dance contest mm-hmm. to me winning two hundred and fifty thousand dollars for becoming president. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Holy cow. I. The life you lived in the game of life is enviable, for sure. Man, I might have to rethink my stance on board games, which is currently no. Oh my god, I love board games. I literally have like 15 of them right next to I'm me. Too, I, I get too involved. I'm too into the... I love the rules too much. I'm not a fun board game uh, person is the problem, I feel like. Plus... Well, I gotcha. Well, first I have to learn all of the rules, so I will hold up the game. And then once the game is going, I will be very competitive. So I... Better better not. Better not. <laughs> all right. It's time for the Corona Update. Here are the three things you need to know today. Number one, new internal projections from the White House show deaths rising through June, even as states move to reopen. Trump and allies have pushed for reopening, but models used by the Coronavirus Task Force pulled together by FEMA show the daily death toll will reach about 3,000 on June 1st, according to an internal document that the New York Times got, a 70% increase from the current number of about 1,750. Also, about 200,000 new cases daily, which is a lot. Meanwhile, the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation at UW, which the White House has been leaning on for how low its death rate prediction has been, has altered their model and is now estimating that there will be nearly a 135,000 deaths in the U.S. through the beginning of August. IHME says it made that change based on rising mobility in most U.S. states, as well as the fact that 31 states will be easing social distancing measures by May 11th. 
I mean, with these like daily updates, I'm seriously just at the point that like every the numbers are just so much higher for everything that is said ever about coronavirus. And and it's scary, too, because this Friday, California is starting their first phase of reopening. And I'm like, I mean, I don't know about everyone else, but I will not be a part of that first wave. You are not not alone in that. A recent poll showed that about 80 percent of Americans are on your side, that even as things are beginning to reopen, they're like, I don't know about that, chief. Okay, number two, Pfizer has started human trials for coronavirus vaccine in the U.S. Pfizer's been working with a German company called BioNTech to develop the vaccine since March, and they've already done some small-scale trials in Germany. They're trying to develop a special version of a messenger protein called RNA that would, in theory, train the body into fighting off the coronavirus. The trials will involve multiple volunteer candidates moving in parallel, which is one way the companies hope to compress the amount of time required. If they can gather enough proof of success, the vaccine could be approved for emergency use by the FDA as early as September. I, all of this sounds semi-positive to me in terms of like all the other like vaccines and testing that's been going on, because at least like at the beginning of all this, it was like, we're not going to see anything till 2021. So it's just like, hopeful at least that that might be pushed up a little bit. Right. Like fingers crossed here. Uh, not going to bank on it, but fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. And number three. There appears to be a new problem in Russia. Doctors falling out of windows after criticizing the state's coronavirus response. So this is a weird one published on BuzzFeed News from journalist Chris Miller. And like all things, Russia should be taken with a grain of salt. That said, Alexander Shulipov is a doctor with an ambulance unit in Western Russia. He and a colleague published a video griping about the lack of protective gear available and how Shulipov was forced to work after being diagnosed with coronavirus himself. He later recanted that story, which made people go, um? But 10 days after he published it, he fell out of a second story window and fractured his skull. He's currently in critical condition. Two other doctors weren't as lucky. One fell from a fifth-story window, the other from a window at the hospital where she was being treated for COVID-19 in Moscow. This has aroused uh, suspicions in Russia, where it's not uncommon to find yourself plummeting should you be too public in your criticism. Um, that's just truly insane. I Period. mean, three makes a pattern. We all know that, right? Three makes a pattern. <laughs> Three makes a pattern. So good luck to all the doctors in Russia, where as of right now, they're still saying that cases are fine. We're chill here. Things don't sound very chill. Oof. All right. It's time for today's good news, bad news. This is where I treat us all to some of the most awe and most, oh my God, no stories from around the internet. Good news. I know we talk about Harry Potter a lot, but now we have Harry himself reading out loud the first chapter of the first book, which is amazing. Harry Potter's reading to me. He's, he's reading it to me. <laughs> the child in you is like glowing. So, <laughs> so the Wizarding World, the official HP website, posted a video today of Daniel Radcliffe with a copy of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, or the Sorcerer's Stone, <laughs> reciting the words that launched an empire. Mr. and Mrs. Dursley of number four, Privet Drive, were proud to say that they were perfectly normal. Thank you very much. They were the last people that you'd expect to be involved in anything strange or mysterious because they just didn't hold with such nonsense. Mr. Dursley was the director of a firm called Grunnings, which made drills. Radcliffe does an incredible job with his performance. He doesn't lean too much into doing voices, but you can tell that he's thinking about it when he does Hagrid's lines. Borrowed it, Professor Dumbledore, sir said the giant, climbing off the motorbike as he spoke. Young Sirius Black lent it to me. I've got him, sir. 
And then the best part about this video, besides, you know, literal Harry Potter reading to everyone, is that they put fan art from the kids into it. And Daniel Radcliffe isn't going to be the only person doing these readings. They're going to have more famous people reading the rest of the book, all 17 of the chapters, which will be posted to wizardingworld.com. And, you know, if you don't want to watch this on video, it's on Spotify. That's what I was listening to it on before. Hey, nice. No, this is great. He nails it. It looks like two. I I think he does it in one take unless they put that fan art in to cover up like him pausing. I'd believe it. I just like picture him sitting in a super comfy chair in the corner of his home and just like soothing us all. Yeah, but I also like really like his voices. Like I think his Mr. Dursley was really good, but I also appreciated that he wasn't like trying to do a Mrs. Dursley Mm. because that could go like horribly wrong if you're not a trained like... (laughs) voice actor he could have gone the way of ronan farrow reading out catch and kill sorry ronan uh you did great but we all know those voices were dodgy uh (laughs) who do you want to hear as the famous people reading this book oh oh definitely maggie smith maggie smith oh my my god answer oh my heart whoa strong so strong i can't think of anything i want more in this world right now so (laughs) no sold done and now it's time for bad news that i wish wasn't bad So we may still get this current season of The Bachelorette, but at what cost? Filming for Claire's season at The Bachelor Mansion in L.A. was cut short in March by the coronavirus outbreak. And then host Chris Harrison told Entertainment Tonight that the show was considering moving the series to allow for taping to start back up. He said, who knows what is going on? So maybe we leave. Maybe we have to go to a state that has their stuff together and we can shoot. Then he added... Maybe we're doing this in Texas. I don't know. But right now we are just waiting and seeing where we can do this safely until we can do it the right way. Harrison also mentioned the idea that everyone, including contestants and crew, could be quarantined on set wherever they wind up. Okay, so now I want this bachelorette season as much as anyone, but I really don't want them to compromise it, especially because we're dealing with the oldest bachelorette they've had at 38 years old. And it's just like already we know they're recasting because they had the people that they originally cast were a little bit too young. And so now they're looking for some older Mm. people to join the show. And it's just kind of like I get that, like, people want to put content out there. We need content. You know, studios need to make their television shows. But I'm like, it's such an iconic franchise that it's like I still want it to be up to its quality of what it always is you know right and it would be really weird if they decided to like suddenly shift gears and it's all zoom dates like all zoom dates period you have to cook separately in your own kitchens and that's one of the like (laughs) dates that you've won with the bachelorette I'm guessing that's how this works you know what honestly maybe that would be good for them I always do talk about like at what point will the bachelor bachelorette not exist anymore like this is the show going to last forever or is there going to be a time in society when we're like uh we don't want this anymore and it's not performing as well in which case if they do do those zoom dates i guess it'd be more like the circle mm. on netflix which has an insane like following and did so well you know what maybe they they do need to start changing with the times while we ponder the future of the bachelor franchise we have a short break when we come back we're talking to josh gondelman stay right there Adoption of teens from foster care is a topic not enough people know about, and we're here to change that. I'm April Dinwiddie, host of the new podcast, Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Each episode brings you compelling real-life adoption stories told by the families that live them with commentary from experts. Visit adoptuskids.org slash podcast or subscribe to Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Administration for Children and Families and the Ad Council. 
Hello, hello. Hey, I don't know if you heard, but my podcast, Checking It, has been nominated for the NAACP Image Award in the category of Outstanding Lifestyle and Self-Help Podcast. I'm grateful for the nomination. I, I almost didn't even do a podcast because I was just wondering, there are thousands of podcasts out there and why is my voice needed? But a nomination from the NAACP lets me know that um, I made the right choice. And I encourage you to do, don't worry if there are thousands of something out that you want to do. No, Nobody has your sauce. So listen, you can still vote. Go to vote.naacpimageawards.net. You have until February 5th, um, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And please listen to my podcast. We're a part of the Black Effect Podcast Network on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for checking in. Hello and welcome to our show. I'm Zoe Deschanel and I'm so excited to be joined by my friends and castmates, Hannah Simone and Lamorne Morris, to recap our hit television series, New Girl. Join us every Monday on the Welcome to Our Show podcast, where we'll share behind the scenes stories of your favorite New Girl episodes, reveal the truth behind the legendary game True American, and discuss how the show got made with the writers, guest stars, and directors who made the show so special. Fans have been begging us to do a New Girl recap for years, and we finally made a podcast where we answer all your burning questions like, is there really a bear in every episode of New Girl? Plus, each week you'll hear hilarious stories like this. At the end when he says, you got some Schmidt on your face, I feel like I pitched that joke. I believe that. I feel like I did. I'm not a thousand percent. I want to say that was, I I, I tossed that one out. Listen to the Welcome to Our Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. It's time for Say More. Things are just really, really weird right now, which can make it hard to be nice to each other or find things funny. So when someone manages to be both nice and funny right now, it kind of stands out. Today, we're talking with writer, comedian, TV producer, podcast host, and one of the kindest people on Twitter, Josh Gondelman. Welcome, Josh. Thank you so much. What a what a swell intro. I feel like the the internet's <laughs> listeners are like, John Krasinski, come on, please be John Krasinski. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we nearly had him, but you were right at the top of the list, uh, right behind him. If I'm a number two or whatever under John Krasinski as a guest, uh, I'm very flattered. Just another Massachusetts legend. <laughs> Josh, you're doing so much right now. You've got a book out. You've launched a new podcast called Make My Day. You're producing on the number one show in late night. What is it like for you as a white man finding success in comedy these days? Honestly, it uh, it feels terrific. Uh, <laughs> I, I I will not engage with the trap of your question, but with sincerity to say that I I know not from anyone else's experience, but I I'm very honestly I'm very like thrilled and flattered uh, and understand the privilege of like getting to work in all these exciting capacities and like, you know, getting to publish a book, working for Jesus and Marrow um, mm-hmm. and, and having uh, this podcast out. I'm like immensely grateful for these opportunities. For people who don't follow you on Twitter, one of the things that you often do is offer up pep talks to people who need them. How did that all start for you? It was, uh, it came from me feeling in kind of like a low bummery place about my own career. This is probably like seven years ago. And I was, you know, just scrolling through Twitter as you do, just in, in ingesting kind of information toxins through your eyeballs to your brain. And I was like, you know, 
I, I wish somebody would say something nice to me, which is such like a pathetic thought. But I was like, you know, if however many followers I have, I don't need that many people to say something nice to me. So maybe if I offered to do something nice for other people, it would feel the same. Like it would be kind of like a net exchange of low grade goodness. And and it worked. I got like, you know, several people reached out and I gave a few pep talks and it just feels like a nice thing to do if I'm like up late at night or on the road doing stand up. You know, which is a thing you used to be able to do. You used to be able to travel from city to <laughs> Back city. Back in the before times. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird that the current state of, like, global dismay is such the opposite of Cormac McCarthy's The Road, right? We always picture people, like, rambling from city to city, cannibalism, but it's exactly the opposite. It's nobody going anywhere. <laughs> it's stay-at-home cannibalism. It's all Alex Jones eating mm-hmm. people. Right. Um, think globally, cannibalize locally. That's, that's what it is. <laughs> Okay, so of all the pep talks you've given, are there any like requests that really stand out or any pep talks that you've given? Oh, that's such a good question. <sighs> I think there's a a lot, especially in the past four or so years, have just kind of been like, this world, it's so hard, which I agree with. And I think a key to a good pep talk is to not deny that there is a problem, right? And my my standard response or like my the general realm of my response is like the world is really hard and bad in a lot of ways and but lots of people are trying really hard to make it better and you can both benefit from the good work of those people and be one of them yourself. So that's like I I think that is like the strongest truest thing to say and that is like an increasingly popular request or like acknowledgement that people give me just like everything feels so bad like we said at the top you've been working on showtime's uh decent mural for a minute now those two have a pretty particular vocabulary very very heavy on the bronx has that affected the way that you speak at all it is uh there it, it is a little bit there are like certain adjectives that i think i lean on a little more heavily and then there's, you know, like something being like wild as opposed to like ridiculous or bananas mm-hmm. or whatever. The most impactful slang from the show for me is just like the the powerful like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> the drawn out like, yeah, the wow, drawn out, oh my like, God. wow, yes. wow. There's like a really great gif of both. I think there's gifs of both of them doing it. And those have become my most used gifs as well. Eclipsing even Kevin Garnett's anything is possible scream after the Celtics won <laughs> the, uh, the 2008 finals. What was it like switching over to their show from last week's night? Was there much of a transition period for you, like switching over your brain? It is a lot different. I mean, the jobs themselves are kind of 180 degrees different in terms of the production style and my responsibilities, which is really exciting to me. I had such a great experience working for John Oliver and writing for Last Week Tonight for a number of years. It was a really, really wonderful place, and I learned so much. And now being at Jesus and Marrow, I'm like applying those skills, but also growing a totally different set of skills where like for John, there was so much emphasis placed on like getting the wording of the writing exactly right because he's going to read it out of the teleprompter timed out to the second so so that the show is deliverable to HBO in, in like I mean there are times where he would do it in one take basically um and now at Jesus and Marrow a big difference is like they improvise so much so so much of the show is sculpted 
after the recording. So there's there's so much done in edit to tighten things up a little bit or to make sure just things look right. And I'm a part of that, which is really exciting. It's, but it is like fully 180 degrees different. <laughs> okay, so... I feel like we're all struggling at least a little bit during this pandemic and you're known as one of the nicest people on the internet. Has all of this everything made that more of a struggle? There's definitely a sense of like stress and fatigue incoming and outgoing that is um, that is like tough to ignore and tough to work around and avoid. But I also think the like need for compassion and generosity is so foregrounded in this present moment. And so I'm trying to be really mindful of that, which is, I I think like it is hard not to be, you know, like there's so many people who are suffering from illness or are out of work and, and seeing that all the time. I think there are just constant reminders of the need to be like kind and gentle. So as much as I'm like frazzled and exhausted by everything, you know, my life and then the world, it feels constantly like it would be ridiculous for me to get short tempered at this point. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like that's a really important mindset to have. And then on your podcast, Make My Day, comedians try to spin the day's crappy headlines into something positive, which is great and what we all need right now. Uh, What are some of the best spins someone's given to you so far? Oh, that's such a, it's been so fun. So we've gone a little from like specific, we've gone away a little bit from specific news headlines have gone and have gone instead into just like the feeling of the moment. So uh, we played a game called What Could Be Better with my first guest, Akila Hughes. And she she talked about whose ghost she would want to haunt her (laughs) uh, while she's in quarantine and just the uh, like she just went on this long hilarious run about how she thinks Brittany Murphy's ghost would be like a great companion and she would have a really great like makeover montage in her own apartment and stuff and uh the second episode with Miel Bredo the whole spin on the, the whole spin of the episode was look there are no music festivals this year so let's redesign music festivals from the ground up so that they're better like let's talk about this and Miel was so funny and, and optimistic and wonderful uh what was your biggest like decision there for or like redesigning music festivals, what are you getting rid of? The crowd. <laughs> that, was the big one. <laughs> that was her first. Her first thing was it's going to be in a remote Scandinavian location, and it's going to cap out at two hundred people. <laughs> and also, there would be dogs, and each dog counts for two people. <laughs> yeah. Okay, which I think she innovated but- brilliantly. I love that. That's just science right there. Yeah, that is science. A a dog often is as good to have around as two people. (laughs) So tell us, Josh, other than empty music festivals, what's the thing you're looking forward to the most once this pandemic is, you know, hopefully in the rearview mirror? Oh, I'm I'm just really looking forward to visiting family and, and friends. I think that for me has been the hardest part because I've, I've had again the, the real good luck to be like working full-time from home and and I've gotten a little anxious about the idea of like getting back on the subway to go to work when mm-hmm. the, like quarantine conditions start lifting but just the idea of like getting to go see my parents back in Massachusetts or meeting up with friends just for coffee is so nice the idea of like getting to walk around outside without a mask on feels really luxurious at this point So with Mother's Day this weekend, we're asking people who come on how they're planning on spending it. What are your family's plans? 
my sister and I are going to have a Zoom call with my parents, with my mom and dad. And so I think what that involves is a pre-celebration of teaching my mom how to use Zoom, (laughs) which I think she's done once for her book club, which is very charming. And then, and I got, I don't know when this is coming out, but I also know that my mom doesn't listen to a lot of podcasts. It's coming out today, so don't. Okay, that's all right. I'll blow it anyway. This will be, if you hear this, don't tell my mom. I got my mom in gift certificate just because i figured like if they're if she and my dad are going to be in the house for a little while she might as well have some like nice new summery or like cozy hunkering down inside in the evening oh a perfect gift and also i want to wish you so much luck on teaching your mom zoom because i was zooming with my mom for an hour and every five minutes i'd have to be like i can only see half your face can you move the camera (laughs) (laughs) what are you seeing It's, those, it's so fun. I mean, we we did a Zoom Passover Seder with with my wife's family, and it was like varying degrees of success and visibility. Oh my god, I can only imagine. But it was very nice. I mean, like, I'm very I'm grateful for the also for the technology to like be able to connect people remotely. I'm also not a big FaceTime person, and so I've been like trying to talk people down to just regular voice phone calls all the time. <laughs> They'd be like, can you FaceTime at six? And I'll be like, what if we don't FaceTime, but at seven? <laughs> <laughs> what if you just hear my voice? How right. about that? And then I don't have to do anything to my face. How about you that? You can just look at your favorite picture of me. <laughs> <laughs> Go Google right now. Yeah, I'm just going to send professional headshots to everyone who wants to talk to me on the phone. <laughs> Josh, thank you so much for joining us. If folks want to hear more from you, where should they look? Oh, my goodness. Um, So I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Josh Gondelman, joshgondelman.com for my comedy albums and my book, uh, my essay collection, which came out in September. Nice try, stories of best intentions and mixed results. And the podcast, Make My Day, is out every Tuesday. You can subscribe wherever you subscribe to podcasts. And I, I, I think it's like a really fun, nice time. And my hope is that it feels like it is it can exist in this moment without kind of like wallowing in the worst parts of it. So like hopefully people can enjoy it in this kind of like current climate without feeling like, oh, we're really staring right into the void here. I mean, we find that so relatable here at News O'Clock. Josh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. This is really a pleasure and I appreciate your taking the time to chat. It's time for The List, because if you know BuzzFeed at all, you know how much we love lists. And today we're looking at four things it's bonkers that most Americans don't know about Mexico. Because it's Cinco de Mayo, and folks in the U.S. are still out here thinking it's Mexican Independence Day while doing bad accents. Oof, so put down the fake mustache and sombrero, Karen. It's not fucking funny. All right, number one thing it's bonkers that more people don't know about Mexico Mexico City is technically the oldest city in North America. It was founded by the Aztecs over 600 years ago and has been inhabited ever since. Take that, Boston. Number two. For a brief moment, Mexico had an Austrian for an emperor. Napoleon III of France put Ferdinand Maximilian Joseph in charge of the country in 1864, making him Maximilian I of Mexico. He did not last long, though, and was ultimately ousted from power three years later and executed by a firing squad. Number three, the meteor that likely killed the dinosaurs landed in Mexico 65 million years ago. Scientists first ID'd the spot in the Yucatan Peninsula back in the 90s. And turns out that was just totally the worst place you'd want a meteor to land, if you're the dinosaurs. And number four, 
Mexico has an official dog, and it's called the Cholo Sequintle. It's been called the Mexican hairless dog as well, and it's been popular in the region for literally thousands of years. Fun fact, it's actually not related to the Chinese crested, which a lot of people assume, but Cholo is spelled with an X and thus often included in children's ABC books. Okay, I want to go back to just talking about all these Karens out there because do you know what else I'm really tired what? of? Um, not just on like Cinco de Mayo, but just like I've seen a fair amount like online on like f- usually Facebook, not Instagram, of people on their bachelorette parties that are just like they're just a lot of white people just wearing sombreros. And it's just like, why? How is that the theme of your bachelorette party? I mean, honestly, it just fits, you know, the theme of too many people out there who think to themselves, boy, you know what I want to do today? Get drunk and culturally appropriate. That's my day. All right. (laughs) Okay, we have time for one more thing. And today that thing is Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Tiger King Cage. Yes. For those of you who haven't heard, Variety announced yesterday that Oscar winner Nick Cage will be portraying Joe Exotic in a scripted series on CBS. It's going to be his first regular TV role, and I cannot even picture this much chaotic energy on CBS. I know, on CBS. I, when I saw this headline, I was like, what? How? How? I just don't understand. We, like People like Dax Shepard were like, I want to be Tiger King. And I was like, okay, that makes sense to me. And now all of a sudden, Nicolas Cage comes out of nowhere. And I'm like, okay, this is happening. I have so many questions. So the, the, according to Variety, the series will, quote, live in the lion's den with Joe, explore how he became Joe Exotic, and how he lost himself to a character of his own creation, which when you put it, that way is perfect Nick Cage material. I just, my question is, is this a comedy or a drama? I have no idea what this show is. Um, yeah, I'm, I don't think anyone knows. And what's so interesting is like, I didn't know this before, but like this was already in talks to happen, like before this whole Netflix show came out. So it's just like people were very ready to make this Tiger King content. Does this mean they're actually going to put Nicolas Cage on set with real tigers? And if so, can I be there? Because I really want to see this. I feel like, am I imagining that Nicolas Cage has this also weird like stage magic thing? Because I I'm, I can very clearly picture him with like uh, a Siegfried and Roy style tiger. <laughs> and I feel like this is just an evolution. I can 100% picture that. I'm also, I have to say, I like assume they're going to be using real tigers, but like after watching that documentary, I don't want them to use real tigers. And it's this like very definite thing of like, after each episode, I'm going to need like five minutes, like proving to me that the tigers were taken care of like really, really well. (laughs) That's what I need right now. Oh, absolutely. Like, oh, like when we were kids in the nineties and all of like the action shows had that like little PSA at the end, like don't actually punch people, kids that we, we need that. But for the tigers to show that they're healthy, they're happy. They have not eaten Nicolas Cage. Uh, (laughs) Just the range on this man. (laughs) I know his range is insane, but I also want to say going back to like, if it's going to be a comedy or a drama, I mean, it's like probably definitely going to be a comedy, although like the reality of it's going to be sad, but it's because the, the creator of it, I believe is the creator of America on Netflix, which 
was hilarious. So I think it's, you know, a parody of sorts. Of sorts is the thing that gets to me. Also, does Nicolas Cage know that it's mm. supposed to be a parody of sorts? Or is he going to be completely <laughs> serious? Also, uh, really quickly, Nicolas Cage, couple of family member, which we don't talk about enough. The fact that he is literally <laughs> no. the Francis Ford and Sophia, that they're he can just go and get a bottle from the family vineyard whenever he wants. <laughs> Also, he's, I can just get you a bottle from my like wine area too. That so, doesn't, you know, it's not the same. Me, me and Nick are. It's not the same. <laughs> I also love how much you love famous families. I really that do. That is one of my favorite facts I about do. you. I just love the weird like acclamation of power that nobody talks about. Uh, I. No, I'm with you. Okay, final point. What we need to know is, will Carol Baskin be a part of the show in any way, shape, or form? Will she be mentioned? Will she show up as a cameo? These are the things I question. I think she'll be mentioned, but oh man, I don't think she's showing up, especially after she was tricked into being on not Jimmy Fallon's show when she thought it was Jimmy Fallon's show. I just don't think she wants anything to do with anyone anymore. All right, and I just, I will end this by playing us out via the parody of Nicolas Cage done by Danny Pudi playing Abed on Community. Oh, I'm a cat. I'm a sexy cat. That's it for today. Join us tomorrow for more good news, bad news, and probably way, way less Nicolas Cage. And remember, Cowbell is not a doctor-recommended prescription for COVID-related fevers. Be sure to subscribe to News O'Clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And be sure to tell your friends about us. Then set your alarms so you never miss an episode of News O'Clock. This is Roxanne Gay, the host of the Roxanne Gay Agenda, the bad feminist podcast of your dreams. Each week I talk to an interesting person about feminism, race, writing in books and art, food, pop culture, and yes, politics. We can't escape politics. Listen to the Luminary original podcast, The Roxanne Gay Agenda, every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mama, what does the chicken say? Uh, dog. Cat. Giraffe. Giraffe, really? Giraffe. Uh, giraffe. You're not going to get it all right. Just make sure you nail the big stuff, like making sure your kids are buckled correctly in the right seat for their age and size. Get it right. Visit NHTSA.gov. Slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Thursday, February 10th. Kick off Super Bowl 56 weekend with host Keegan-Michael Key. Find out who will be named the AP Most Valuable Player. Delivered by Pizza Hut, the Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year. Presented by Nationwide and more. Plus, the Pro Football Hall of Fame Class of 2022 delivered with Uber Eats will be revealed. NFL Honors, presented by Invisalign. Thursday, February 10th at 9 Eastern, 8 Central on ABC, NFL Network, and ESPN+. All times live except in the Pacific Time Zone.